This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to Streetwise Podcast, an extension of the Pitch in Kansas City. I am your host, Brock Wilbur. I'm also the editor-in-chief of The Pitch and one of the co-owners. That is why I am here and allowed to make a podcast for you. How is everyone doing out there? I have a bit of a bugaboo. Um, got coffee with Nick Spacek, our music editor, uh, and had a conversation last week that I've been having with a lot of people, uh, which is that... The Uptown Theater, which is across the street from the pitch offices, keeps booking a certain kind of performer. <laughs> They've been doing a lot more comedians and speakers than they normally do. I, I understand why, because as we are moving into post-COVID in whatever form that takes, um, a lot of the bands that I know that are touring keep having to stop because like, they tour as a group with... Everyone in the band, the roadies, the merch people, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a lot of people that, even, like, there's no way not to shove them all onto the same buses. So, like, a person touring with a microphone and maybe an opening act, it's pretty easy to bet that they will be able to show up and probably not bail at the last second because of COVID. But the thing is, over the last couple of months, they keep booking people that... If you are to look at the Facebook event pages on it, you will see thousands upon thousands of messages that show a very clear uh, culture war divide between people that are like, I am so thankful that you are doing this uh, and putting this person up. I, I love them. They are a hero versus people that are like, why on God's green earth? Would you give them a platform or a stage or bring them into town? And uh, to sort of put this in context, we've had Al Franken, a senator that had to step down because of, you know, sex pest things. We've had Louis C.K. in town twice now at this point. Uh, we have had Jordan Peterson, a renowned I don't know what to call him, philosopher, question mark. Uh, and we have coming up on 9-11, uh, Bill Maher, uh, who I, I don't think anyone claims on any side of the political spectrum, but the ads ahead of this are all things that say things like, don't bring your kids here, it's not a safe space, or um, a particularly bizarre bit of advertising where he's like, I haven't been to dirty countries because they're not on my bucket list. I've never written down that I wanted to go to a dusty place where I ride in the back of a truck with chickens. And you're just like, I, I don't know. I don't know who this is for uh, across the spectrum. Anyway, uh, they've also just sold out a show coming up for Dave Chappelle. And it feels a little bit as if our pals at the Uptown Theater are trying to troll Kansas City? I don't know. They, they, We have some really interesting, cool people coming in. Chelsea Handler is coming in in two weeks. Uh, we have a great interview uh, on the site that I did with her that uh, you can find at thepitchkc.com right now. We had Patton Oswald in. Wonderful, wonderful time. 
But we're also getting just some people that are on the fringes where I'm like, was Kansas City the only place that would book them? And and especially like both the Al Franken and Bill Maher things. The Bridge and other places run ads for this on the radio. And, and I, I understand why they run them. But the ads themselves are so horrifyingly boring and outdated and trying so hard to push a button. The Al Franken ad uh, clearly was recorded like in somebody's closet, not not a recording of him doing whatever show he was doing, but it was just him talking to no one being like, well, 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 I guess we'll let people make their own decisions about what I did. Am I right? Wonga, wonga, wonga. Uh, <laughs> the Franken one in particular is very uh, personal to me because we were repeatedly hammered with like, hey, do you want to interview him? And we had a lot of internal discussions and a back and forth about like, do we interview Al Franken? Like, I, I certainly have questions, but also like, do you give that a platform? Went back and forth a lot, decided not to. Uh, and God bless Steve Kraske, uh, who uh, later that week put out his normal newsletter. Uh, and he was like, hey. Uh, here's a whole newsletter about our struggle internally to decide whether or not to interview Al Franken, which we settle on now. And I was like, God bless you, Steve Kraske. At least I, I like when somebody else can be like, yeah, we just don't. We have no fucking clue what to do with this thing. Um, it's puzzling. Uh, anyway, it's been uh, it's been a fun uh, week here for both uh, the invitation to like, hey, do you guys want to come cover Dave Chappelle's show? No. Uh, and, uh, in equal measure, hey, do you guys want to come cover events around the new, uh, Harry Potter movie thing, uh, which gets a similar reaction. Feel like I am being presented with all the things that other people would call cancel culture, but that I can get to call, we just don't give a shit about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I am puzzled by what is happening out there. Anyway, we have an article coming out next week about some comedy shows that are counter-programmed around the Dave Chappelle thing for people that are not uh, awful. Uh, so uh, be looking at the site, thepitchkc.com. Check out the stuff there. Anyway, we have an episode of Streetwise here for you. Uh, we have an interview uh, with the head of Broadway Across America talking about the, uh, the run of off-Broadway shows that are coming through KC in the 22-23 season. We have a stacked lineup. It is a really cool interview, and I loved finding out how some of this works. We also have Nick's Music Corner, but first up, uh, we have a reading from our friend Jason at Stolen Dress Entertainment of the Northland Parents Association piece written by Barb Shelley. Um, as a heads up here, uh, some things changed after this piece came out, including the fact that um, this organization removed most of their social media presence and websites Uh pretty pretty quickly after it hits stands um don't know if they've popped back up under different names or different forms but they clearly did not like the spotlight being shown there so here we go northland parent association takes a censorship approach to education by barbara shelley in the summer angry parents began commandeering the public comment periods of school board meetings in the northland they loudly objected to mask orders read passages from books in school libraries and called them pornographic, and accused schools of indoctrinating their kids. Some claimed an affiliation with a new group, the Northland Parent Association. As classes started up in the fall, 
and districts tried to cope with COVID-19 surges, the group played a more prominent and disruptive role. According to its president, Jay Richmond, the NPA has about 500 members and many more allies. We are normal parents who are tired of having our kids being told what to do when it has nothing to do with education, Richmond says. At the very bottom of the NPA's website, I spotted a video that revealed a lot about the NPA's philosophy. Editor's note. Since the publication of this article, the website NorthlandParentAssociation.com appears to have been taken down. The NPA's Twitter and Facebook pages remain active. The video features an NPA member, Darren Ross, interviewing a Kearney High School senior named Ethan. Ethan jumped the fence at a Kearney-Smithville football game and ran around the field with his shirt tied behind his head. For that, he was suspended for 10 days, banned from extracurricular activities for a semester, and placed under review for his graduation walk. Russ opines that the discipline was over the top. He says, It's kind of like the way they've lost their minds on making kids wear masks. If Ethan had run around the field with a mask on, Ross suggests, I bet you the administration and the school board members would give you extra credit, probably a college scholarship, and maybe even let you walk at the front of the line at graduation. What's your thoughts on that? Ethan shrugs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. Ross, who has a background in marketing and public speaking, takes the opportunity to make a pitch for the NPA. Then he gets to the big reveal. Ross and a few other parents, not the association itself, have pooled funds to present Ethan with a $150 quick trip gift certificate. With a high five, Ross says, Thank you for being so crazy, so fun, and getting out of your comfort zone and doing something really wild. The video ends with Ross declaring, Ethan, you are my hero. Based just on the information presented in the video, the school's treatment of Ethan does seem a bit harsh. But Ross's decision to reward him for bad behavior speaks volumes about parental defiance. In the days since I watched the video, Pink Floyd's Brick in the Wall has been on repeat in my head. But instead of a rock band speaking to disaffected late 70s youth, we have a chorus of suburban parents singing, Hey, teachers, leave them kids alone. The Northland Parent Association is typical of groups springing up around the country. Conservative-minded parents band together over mask mandates and school closures and move on to book banning and protests of school policies that promote diversity and inclusion and of teaching that attempts to discuss systemic racism in America's history. We don't need no thought control. Seizing upon parental anger is a potent political weapon. A right-wing apparatus of funders and conservative media outlets is quickly formed to provide money, talking points, and legal advice. Conservative PACs began meddling in school board races in Johnson County last fall. The NPA made its mark in the Kansas City region with two actions. In late August, it filed a federal lawsuit against a host of school boards, districts, and public officials in Kansas City and North Kansas City, challenging mask mandates. In October, Richmond spoke at a North Kansas City school district board meeting and demanded the removal of several books from school libraries, including Fun Home and All Boys Aren't Blue, two queer coming-of-age books, claiming they contained pornographic content. On the surface, neither action turned out well. A federal judge dismissed the lawsuit. The NKC school district initially pulled two books but put them back on the shelves. A few weeks after Richmond's presentation, a man who assisted Richmond by holding up posters of pages from Fun Home was charged with child molestation and domestic assault. But the lawsuit and the book banning uproar turned out to be great publicity for the NPA. In a telephone conversation, Richmond says he hasn't been politically active in the past. The pandemic and restrictions imposed by the schools changed that. Richmond has three sons. The youngest, an elementary student, struggled with the COVID protections. He is a very social kid, and it changed his personality completely, Richmond says. He hated school. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. Richmond began speaking out at meetings of school boards and county health boards. 
when the NPA was formed, he was nominated to be its president. The pressure on school districts in the Northland, which leans conservative in its politics, is new. For years, the region has been a destination for families looking for public schools with solid academic performance and a full menu of sports and extracurriculars. Richmond says he used to regard the schools that way, but no longer. I grew up here, he says. And yeah, the education in the Northland used to be great and more of a classical learning style. But the last few years have shown that's not the case. The school systems and school districts have an agenda. They're pushing that agenda, and parents are waking up to it, and they're fed up with it. I'm not sure what agenda Richmond is talking about, but as we talk, I realize that Richmond is a school voucher advocate. In reality, it needs to come back purely to school choice, he says. Parents should have a choice about where they're going to send their children, and if funding follows that choice, that will fix a lot of issues in the schools. While not all of the aggrieved parents who show up at school board meetings acknowledge an affiliation with the NPA, they often use the same language. Once or twice a speaker has inadvertently lost track of which school district they were criticizing. In the Smithville School District, parent Whitney Carlisle has made a name for herself by taking board members to task at nearly every meeting, accusing them of cowardice when they don't respond to every complaint. If you cannot handle making tough decisions and working with parents, maybe it's time to consider if you are capable of performing the duties needed at this critical time, she lectured the board in October. She took particular aim at board member Jeff Blemker, the assistant division vice president at HCA Healthcare Physician Services Group. As COVID cases surged, Blemker cited worries over hospital bed capacities to justify his support for school masking policies. Jeff, if you are more concerned with ICU beds than our kids, you are on the wrong board, Carlisle told him. She suggested he run for the county health board instead, although that board is also under fire from the NPA. While it's not confirmed Carlisle is part of the NPA, she is now a school board candidate and joins conservative candidates who are stacked up to run in nearly every Northland school board race. At this point, it's difficult to gauge the political strength of the NPA. Richmond says it won't endorse candidates, although when I talked to him, the association's website stated on its front page that donations are applied to anything from lawsuits to endorsing school board candidates. Richmond also said the NPA is not a 501c3 nonprofit, a classification banned by IRS code from participating in political campaigns. But the NPA's filing with the Missouri Secretary of State Office plainly states that this association is organized exclusively for charitable and educational purposes within the meaning of Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code. Kevin Corlew, the lawyer whose name is on the NPA's incorporation papers and who filed the mask lawsuit on behalf of the group, did not respond to requests for comment. Richmond seemed surprised when I told him the website mentions endorsing school board candidates as a purpose for donations. I'll have to check on that, because that's something we cannot do, he said. Although Carlisle and other conservative school board candidates speak as though they universally represent parents, that isn't the case. At the October Smithville school board meeting, before Carlisle denounced mask rules, two other parents stood up to defend them. Liberty Parents for Public Schools, an online group of about 1,500 parents and Liberty School District employees and patrons, has emerged as a counterpoint to the NPA. Its mission statement affirms that public school should be an inclusive experience for all children. The group has been supportive of mask mandates and other preventive health measures. Students take a stand against the NPA. But the most effective adversaries of the NPA have been high school students in the North Kansas City School District. After Richmond's denunciation of fun home and all boys aren't blue, students quickly organized, got a petition going, booked all the public comment slots for the next school board meeting, and made an eloquent case for literature that deals with topics like sexuality, gender identity, and racism. I spoke with three of the leaders, and they said they've been following the NPA since summer, after the group summoned the district's superintendent to a meeting and publicly berated him. 
The students said they were aghast to see the school district pull two books after Richmond's noisy protest at the October board meeting. We really didn't understand the why behind that, and that confusion then turned to action, said Charles Maloney, a senior. The district had already returned the books to its schools by the time the students spoke up at the November 22nd board meeting, as an audience of their peers and parents applauded heartily. I think for a brief moment the NPA did win when they pulled those books, said Fedra Schlagenhoff, a junior. It definitely proved the school board had the capacity to give in to that kind of rhetoric, but I think our speeches affirmed their decision to put those books back, and it proved to them that their own education was working and making us well-rounded citizens. Kate Maloney, Charles' sister and a high school junior, said she regards the Northland Parent Association and related groups as pushing right-wing political agendas that are contrary to the goals of public education. Students are smarter than these associations think, she said. I hope that more students across the nation are using their voices and speaking up because, at the end of the day, we can't be afraid of them. We can't let them have that power. And anyway, here it is. It's time for Nick's Music Corner. Nick, take it away. It's a me, Nick Spasek. I'm here with the Nick's Music Corner. I do not know why any impression I do of anybody just becomes the worst Mario that you've ever heard. No, Nick is out. Nick has terrible allergies and cannot breathe. So for Nick's Music Corner this week, I'm stepping in and I am going to uh, offer up a little embarrassing personal history. Uh, This is a song called Cast Shadows in Technicolor. Uh, that I recorded uh, with my college band, the Delamortes. We very much wanted to be the faint and uh, do Omaha's brand of electronic dance indie rock. Uh, and this is uh, this is our best song. Uh, so just sharing it with you now. Please enjoy. Uh, Nick will be back next week, and he will not sound like Mario nor Luigi nor Waluigi. I uh, it's fine. Here we go. Uh the Del Mortes Cash Shadows in Technicolor. Enjoy. <laughs> Cash Shadows in Technicolor. Fired on abandoned stairwells. They hide those that do us harm until the moonlight shines on the edge of the gun. Just voices in a fight. One sharp streak. Shadows creep down your spine Bitter sounds are in your mind Innocents don't know the truth They're swallowed up in the darkness too Cash shadows in empty basements Where we navigate those cobweb mazes You think there's no one left alive Until the shadows are inside I see you standing there in the dark Don't think I'll run away from this heart I knew you'd play the shadows Shadows on frozen faces, the mannequins in display cases. You think there's no one left alive until the shadows start to die. I see you standing there in the dark. Don't think I'll run away from this heart. I knew you'd break the shadows.
So now we are talking to Leslie. Leslie is the president of uh, the Midwest branch of Broadway Across America. So Leslie's whole job is to figure out what Broadway shows come through different cities. Uh, there is a whole like technical side to this that I find fascinating. But on top of that, um, we have, as was just announced, and you will hear it uh, in the recording here, a lineup of Broadway shows coming through KC that are just uh, we just have a murderer's row of thing. We have a, we, our city's lineup of these things is so much better than anyone else in the Midwest. Like it is, it sounds as if, uh, other people have been upset by it already. Uh, and they should be cause I'm going to go to all of these. I invite you to come with me, especially to see six. I cannot overemphasize how much you need to see the musical six. It just rocks uh so here's our interview uh take a listen leslie welcome to the show would you please introduce yourself to the audience sure well thank you for having me i'm leslie broker i'm the president of broadway across america midwest uh and we are here today because they've just announced the uh 2022-2023 season of uh broadway musicals coming through kansas city and you have uh what what is uh to me as a musical theater nerd just a hell of a stacked lineup. Yeah, this is, there's a, there's no filler here. These are just a hit after a hit after a hit and a, a couple that I'm just salivating. I, I still haven't seen Town, So right off the bat, I'm just uh, like, I, I have friends that were in it on Broadway and I, I just kept being like, I'll, I'll catch it eventually. And like, now it's been a decade. So like, sure, Town, there it is. We're going <laughs> to finally get to it. Um, why don't you run us down through the list here and let's just uh, talk about uh, each of the shows in, in the uh, order that they're coming up. Sure, sure. Well, I'm excited when you start out saying it's just a list of hits. That makes my day for sure. Um, we'll I, I, I'm used to seeing the lineup and it's like, oh, there's two there that I want, but I'm not sure I need to buy a whole season's worth. And this one, I was like, I'm going to go to every goddamn one of these. I don't know how you guys managed to pack this one so well. You know, it's it's very funny. I work in a lot of different cities, and it's like I can't share the Kansas City season with anyone else because every other market's going to be 
irritated uh, that Kansas City kind of landed with this, this embarrassment of wealth. I mean, we'll kick off with Pretty Woman. Um, that show stars Adam Pascal, who you, I'm sure you know was in uh, the original production of Rent. He also starred on Broadway um, in Aida, Disney's Aida production. Um, the music for Pretty Woman is by Grammy award-winning Brian Adams. So, I mean, I think we're coming, coming out of the gate very strong. Um, and then we leave, it's like this composer's amazement because then we go straight into 95, nine to five. And I mean, Dolly, I don't know what else there is to say, but, but it's Dolly and, you know, everybody loves the movie, but for me, you know, seeing something happen on stage is always kind of where it's at. So, um, you know, Brian Adams straight into Dolly. So for, so for that one, uh, the, for nine to five, is it expanding to include like the entire Dolly, like pantheon of music or is, is there other original songs that were written for this? You know, there were some originals. I think she wrote one more song um, to go into the musical, but it stays pretty true to the movie. I think okay. there are times you should vary and there are times you should not. And I think this was a, a, a don't mess with what works, but, you know, and then you go straight from Dolly into Town, and that's Anais Mitchell music. She just came out with a new album recently. Um, that show, I believe, was eight Tony Awards, including Best Musical. Um you know, for me, I can't wait till you see it because I love New Orleans and it felt very mythological, New Orleans, wrought iron, steamy. I mean, I don't, it's, it's a really hard show to describe, but, uh, you know, if maybe that paints a little bit of a picture for folks, um, but absolutely. You had me at steamy and Brian Adams today. We are, we are, we are already a hook line <laughs> right here. <laughs> See, see, well, and Orpheus descending, you know, Orpheus uh, descends into Hades. And so um, it's a really, it's a fabulous production. So I'm just tickled to get it so early in its tour. This will be you know, the first leg of its tour. So I'm, I'm super pleased. And, you know, then we go straight to Lerner and Lowe with My Fair Lady at the Kaufman. Um, and, and of course, that's Broadway canon gold, if you will. So right. Um, the Lincoln Center just had a very successful production of this show. And so uh, this is based on that particular production. So um, I'm, I'm super excited. And then, and then we go to six, you know, that's like Henry VIII and pop. Um, it's surely to be nominated for best musical on Broadway this year. Um, no question. You know, I think it's in the lineup for Tony awards and uh came first cities on this particular tour so to be able to to pair that with Haiti sounds pretty terrific the uh the last vacation the wife and I took before uh, world shut down was to Chicago and while we were there we happened to stumble into one of the early like test performances there of six and we were like this is sort of a goofy concept but we're just hanging out in Chicago what if we go try to see this thing and I think within the first ten minutes, our 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 mouths are are the the we had just uh, they'd fallen off. Our mouths fell off. Uh, uh, we, uh, my wife writes for a uh, feminist pop culture site and immediately started taking notes. She was like, "This is going to be everyone's favorite thing that has ever happened." Uh, and I, so I I I've been waiting for it to finally hit here, and I imagine it would have uh, caught on a lot sooner had we not have had the shutdown. But like. My my new favorite sixth thing is that they performed at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, 
And I thought that I was having a stroke because I was like, sorry, for, for all the children and families all over the country right now, we're singing the song about women being decapitated. Uh, like, uh, sure, like this is the Thanksgiving Day Parade I want. Does anyone, did anyone know what they were booking when they booked this? So <laughs> right, right. Isn't it crazy, the concepts? And see, this has you ahead of me because I I did not get to see it before this shutdown. So in about three weeks, um, I'm a Tony voter. So I've, I've got that daunting task of going up and seeing every show that's nominated. So it's, it, when I land, um, it's, it's the first show that I'm going to see when I get there. And I can't wait to be back in New York and seeing all the the great shows and particularly this one so um, I'm glad you enjoyed it in Chicago and I'm glad we'll we'll have it and it's it's been such a huge bummer because like in trying to share the show with other people like even though it had a great UK run like there's a single like performance of one song on all of YouTube and it's from like a BBC like talk show so it's not even like on the set or anything and I'm just like what why are we why isn't it wait it's just been like having like a favorite local indie band and being like they should be on the radio why aren't they on the radio so when i i i made a an audible sound when i got your press release and was like six is coming so i'm gonna i'm gonna take so many people that have no idea what they're in for the whole staff they gotta come with me we're just gonna uh so how long have you been doing this kind of work uh, this is my 36th season. Uh, I guess it'd be 30, I don't know, 34 and a half if you count pandemic land, but uh, um, a long time. I, I love, love, love the theater. It's, I think, the best job in the universe, putting together these seasons and and really welcoming people into our theaters. I mean, nothing, there's not... There's really no better thrill than seeing the face on people when they are having that magic musical moment. Um, you know, there's this, this gene that they, um, comes from French and it's called frisson. It's F-R-I-S-S-O-N. And some folks have it and some folks don't. And it's basically that sensation, that, that inability to not get goosebumps or have just this warming th- feeling race over you when you hear that perfect mesh of you know music and voice and lights and sound and you can't control it and and so I'm definitely a girl with that and it was definitely the right job for me (laughs) uh how how do you go about doing this work because you cover a bunch of different cities and markets and and for some reason you've been very benevolent to Kansas City this year thank you for that even (laughs) if it makes everyone else jealous but like do you do you track who's going on tour? Do you just decide for them where they're going to be heading? How do you how do you how do you make a season for so many different cities? <laughs> you know, the first thing um, is, of course, what are the great hot shows on Broadway, and we watch what shows are coming. You know, what shows are are in production, and even reserving spots in New York to be able to have a theater because there's usually. A traffic jam. There are many shows that want to be produced, and there are only 30-something shows in uh, theaters in New York. So first, you know, they navigate the log jam, but that makes us aware of the types of shows uh, that are coming. And so in addition to going and previewing all of those shows, we also survey our subscribers, all of our patrons, everybody that comes to the theater uh, will hear for us from us at one point or another, and we'll ask them to rank shows. Have you heard of shows? Because we'd like to know about shows that are perhaps in development, and, and are those shows that, you know, we should 
further uh, venture into. So it, I always say it takes a village. Then the next thing is matching up the tour logistics, the logistics of jumping a show from city to city and being able basically to close on a Sunday night around 930 and then reopen at seven-ish, right? We open the house half hour early, like seven-ish on that next Tuesday. So uh, our shows are regulated by how far it can travel, with how far it's, we call them jumps, how far it can jump, because you wouldn't want to jump from Miami to Seattle. You'd never be making, you know, the Sunday night to Tuesday. So once you, once you see how that tour is, is going to roll out, then you match those dominoes with when the theater is available. Just because the show is perhaps coming from Indianapolis to Kansas city or is in Indianapolis, it doesn't mean that the theater is available in Kansas city. So we start working, you know, two and three years out on the one week shows and even longer on the three and four week shows. um, The ones that play longer because then you're, you need more availability from the theater. And of course that needs to be planned further in advance. So, you know, it's a huge jigsaw puzzle. We have a great team in New York um, that works with us to accomplish all this. And then um, the folks at Kaufman and Music Hall are great to work with. And, you know, can I get this week, please? You know, we've got this big show. And, and they'll do everything they can to try to make that happen. I, I really enjoy that you have a, a job that's very like right brain. What if I just saw all of the creative musicals and then left brain of like, and now I'm going to spend six months in a bunch of spreadsheets. Like there's... Oh, there's, there's, there's no question. And, you know, coming through... Um, everything with COVID, we all, you know, did a shift to healthy living, right? We wanted to make sure our buildings were safe, that our performers and our, our volunteers and all of our staff and our, and our audiences were all safe. So we became, um, you know, COVID safety managers. I test, we test all of the stagehands. We've been doing, you know, all of those sorts of things. So the pivots have been um, enormous and interesting and and varied, but now we're kind of you know, fingers crossed, we're back into just full on straight ahead. So it's good. Any chance that we're going to see Broadway's Amelie on tour anytime soon? (laughs) You know, that show had a lot of conversation, I guess, what would that be? You think that'd be like five or six years ago, I think it was. Mm. And and I have heard nothing about it, but for you, I will go and dig around and see if anybody's hearing, you know, if they've released the rights, um, like to the Lort theaters or regional companies, then that sort of answers the question without answering the question. Gotcha. Bad tracks. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, so some of the, like I, I we were at the, uh, LA testing for it and like top-notch songs and just some of the best stage design stuff I've ever seen. It was just like, this is so whimsical. I can't believe it didn't catch on. So it's one of those that I always keep in the back of the old noodle there, hoping that somebody's, but you're right. The, the sure. rights are probably released. Um, I guess my final question, can you force the Kaufman to let me stage uh, a production starring me of title of show? Do you have that power? Um, <laughs> I do not have that power. Amy fair enough. Am- that might have that power, but I'd sure love to see it, and I'd be in line to buy a ticket. <laughs> well, I'll fly you out here uh, when when that uh, inevitably uh, doesn't happen. Leslie, thank you so much. Uh, where can people go uh, to grab tickets for this season? <laughs> uh, right now, subscribers are renewing their seats, but we've got seats available at broadwayandkc.com. 
So give us a call or go visit the website. You can look at this exactly what seats are available. You know, you pick your performance and um, get your have your same seats for every single every single show. And you're always first to get the scoop and first to renew the next year. So there's all kind of benef- all kinds of benefits associated with it. And you know, Kansas City, it's 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 an awesome market. Don't think Leslie necessarily booking these shows. The shows want to play the market. The shows want to come to Kansas City. The audiences are great, and and that's what really makes it happen. Fantastic. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you another time. Thank you. And that was our interview regarding Broadway coming through KC. Uh, Get hype, KC. This is going to be awesome. Again, I will see you at 6. Let me know what day you're going. We will all hang out. I cannot wait to see your faces when you see how awesome this show is. Anyway, that was the Streetwise Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Wilbur. Uh, Please check out the incredible work we are doing in journalism each and every day over at thepitchkc.com. Our latest magazine is on stands across the city, or you can find it on our website digitally. Uh, Thank you guys so much for participating in this. Thank you for supporting what we do. Uh, We will see you around. Please be kind to each other. Pitch in, and we will make it through. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.